As we travel this earth shifting sands that transcend all the reasons of man. But the things that matter the most in this world, they can never be held in our hand. promise. Amen. How can we be disappointed about having a promise like that set 
set in store for us for all eternity. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Again, I want to just thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and share this special day with us. Barney said it very well at the beginning, and I just want to emphasize it again. Thank you for your time and for your love for our family and for your sharing your prayers, your thoughts. Very meaningful to us. And I don't know that words can really explain it. You know, um, you shouldn't feel too bad about sitting in nice, comfortable chairs. Because what do you think about poor Steve over here and Jackie? They're in a hard bench. Steve and Sarah, thanks for coming up. Or coming down. No, coming up. Yeah, you're coming up. Yeah, Traverse City. Steve and Sarah were very special to our family. Uh, they were the music leaders here for years and years prior to... Well, how long ago was that, Steve? How many years? 17 years ago, and you did a long time, and you, you mentored our current worship leader, Jackie, and uh, she's done a very, uh, she does an awesome job for us, and Tom, thanks for being here as well, and uh, I want to also thank you for coming, and I want you to uh, stay with us afterwards. We're going to have a nice meal. Calvin Revitzer does an awesome job. We've got some roast pork, and um, I've been told that we're not going to have dinner till 1 o'clock because the pork's got to get done. We don't want to eat raw pork, right? So uh, stay with us for dinner afterwards and some type of fellowship. We really appreciate that. I want to spend a few minutes today talking about something that um, is kind of a strange thing maybe to talk about at a funeral. But I want to talk about hope. Now you've heard a lot of really nice things said about mom and grandma and great-grandma and friend Joanne. And those are all true. I, I can attest to every one of them. There, there's, there wasn't much exaggeration there. At all. In fact, I don't think there was any because she really was that kind of a person. Um, she was special. She was special. But I don't want to spend my time here today talking about my mom. I want to talk about something that's more important. I want to talk about hope. I want to talk about a hope that is alive and eternal. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But, you know, one thing that we must recognize, first of all, is that we have one common denominator amongst all men today and women. And that is someday we will all face the inevitable fact that our lives on this earth will be over. We're all different in many ways. In fact, there's not even too close to being similar in this church today. Even Courtney and Christina, as identical twins, are very different. I can finally tell them apart. But we all, and we all walk different journeys in life. We all do different things. We're all gifted with different things. But one of the things that we will all face for sure is this thing called death. It's interesting to note that when God created man so many thousands of years ago, that death was not in his original plan. As God created Adam, the Bible records that he created Adam in his own image. And we know that God's image is eternal. There was no death planned for man. Death came into man only when Adam and Eve made the conscious choice to sin. We read in the account of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. 
from this passage, we see that man chose death. When he made the choice to disobey God and eat from the tree. And ever since that time, men have been saying goodbye to loved ones as we are today. Hebrews chapter 9, 27 tells us, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face the judgment. I can remember sitting and watching mom ever so slowly getting weaker and weakening in her body and succumbing to this disease of cancer, which was a hard thing for us to watch. And I, like Stacy, just questioned some things. And I look, thought to myself then, you know, this, isn't, this is not what God has intended for my mom. This was not what he really wanted for her to have to undergo this. Stacy said it. It was so hard to watch mom die this way. Why is that? Well, again, when God created his perfect creation, death wasn't the plan. It's the ugly nature of sin that results in this, and that hurts. Sin, missing the mark of what God intends for us, is ugly. There's nothing pretty about sin, and we need to recognize that. I think this world is confusing good with evil. In fact, the Bible says in the end days, good will become right and right will become wrong. And somehow we have got this thing called sin, and we've made it our friend. And we've made it something that we can play with, and we've made it something that we can manage in our life. And the reality of it, sin is ugly. It's dark. It's black. It's death. We need to recognize that life comes with hope. But we're going to talk about where it comes from in a minute. So maybe you might ask me, why am I talking about hope when we're all destined to die? None of us are getting out of here alive. In fact, my dad would say it. You know my dad, he would say things so off the cuff sometimes. He would say, you know, if you live long enough, you're going to die. <laughs> okay. But the reason that we can talk about hope when we're, when we're talking about death is because death doesn't have to be the last word in a person's life that follows Jesus. They have a living hope, a hope that is alive and well today because of passages like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal hath been clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the only reason that we can talk about hope today is because we know where our hope is based. The world can offer a certain level of hope, but the best that it offers is based on a wish or luck, but never a promise of certainty. See, the world would say something like this, I hope the weather is good today. I hope my team wins the game. I hope we have a good vacation. And many other events based on wishful thinking like this. You know, and we can plan till there's no tomorrow for our hopes in this world to come true. Yet we have no assurance they will. We can plan every detail of our vacation only to have 
everything go wrong. We can scout the opposing team and prepare a great game plan to defeat them only to have a lucky shot at the buzzer or an unforeseen injury to our star player or a number of other events that keep us from winning that game. There's an old saying that says, luck favors the prepared. And there's nothing wrong with being prepared, however, but that doesn't mean you're going to get what you're prepared for. We spend a lot of time planning our retirements. We spend a lot lot of time looking at our 401Ks and our IRAs, and those are all good, nothing wrong with that. But how many of us have taken the next step further to say, what happens after that? What happens after the 401K is expired? What happens when I take my last breath? See, the point in this world is that we are not, we are not assured of anything other than something out of our control is going to happen. So where does this hope that we have come from? To find hope, we must turn from focusing on this world and what it has to offer and to look to the Word of God and trust what it says. We read all through the New Testament that the disciples and writers of the New Testament understood hope and where it comes from. Understand that the disciples of Jesus had a first-hand look at death and then the most amazing thing ever, a resurrected life in Jesus. They saw him die. They saw him suffer. And then just a few days later, and for a period of over 40 days, they and 500 others saw and interacted with Jesus fully alive after being dead for three days. That is amazing. That Jesus was dead. And today he's alive. That's living hope, folks. That's what it's all about. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is Paul speaking. Paul's saying, this is the most important thing I can tell you. Paul said a lot of things in the New Testament. He wrote most of it. But he said, of most importance, the most important thing I can say is that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, who was Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. You see, the fact that Jesus is alive today and he's offering us a hope of salvation and eternal life for those that would choose him makes our faith different than any other religion in the world. There is no religion, there is no intensity of belief that can come close to a risen Savior. Buddha, Muhammad, all the other prophets are dead. They're dead. Jesus is the only one that's alive. So therefore, I'm going to choose to believe the one that's living. You can choose to believe anyone you want to believe, but I'm choosing the one that's alive. He's my hope. And that's where I'm placing my hope, is that Jesus Christ is still living today. Therefore, he is my hope. But how many of us here really understand the power of Jesus' resurrection from the dead? Do we get it? Do we get it or do we just think about it? Have you ever really stopped and thought about what it meant for Jesus to be risen from the dead? See, the redemption story is amazing in that Jesus would leave heaven and be born a baby 
And then live a perfection of service. Among all men, he did not choose one man over another. He, he would eat with publicans and sinners. He was not afraid of people. He was not afraid of getting his hands dirty, though his heart never got dirty. Understand that. Jesus could be with people of the world, but never be of them. Do you get that? How he could come down to their level, a perfect man, a perfect God, all together in one, and the shell of a man could come down and he could eat with people that were not doing the right things, but Jesus never compromised one time to come down to their level. That's something we need to remember. That's something we need to get into our lives, that when we live our lives amongst the world, that we don't come down to their level to try to associate with them. No, we, we become a righteous, holy, peculiar people, a holy one set, set apart, loving them, but never compromising to get their approval. So important. And then Jesus paid a debt that you and I can never repay on our own. No matter what we do, no matter how we live, no matter what our best efforts are, Jesus paid a debt that you and I cannot pay. That gives me hope. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. I know many of you understand that hope today. The hope that was in Jesus is a living hope for us today. Hope that is alive and well, and it's based on the facts of God's word proven by a living Savior in Jesus Christ. Now, hope is alive, and it is more importantly assuring us of a future. We have today, but the most important thing is the future. What happens tomorrow? What happens when our day is here? What happens when this is our funeral? What's happening then for you and I? Where are we going to be? First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 5, through 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade this inheritance is kept is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by god's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time this passage gives us our foundation jesus christ rose from the dead and he paid my price and with that he has given me an inheritance that will never perish spoil or fade how many of us here wanted inheritance that would do that? How many of us wanted inheritance that will never perish away, never spoil, never run out? Wow. That's what this is about. This is the hope that we have. Knowing this gives us great assurance of what lies ahead for those that believe in and trust Jesus as their way to the Heavenly Father is the most amazing thing we can base our hope on. Jesus gives us the most assuring promise in all Scripture. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Now I want to digress here just for a minute. Because it's kind of awkward 
when you are walking down the street sometimes and you've just had someone like your mother pass away, someone will come up to you and, and they'll try to comfort you and they'll say things like, well, I'm sure she's in a better place. I'm sure she's in a better place. Well, you know, that really can be troublesome because the reality is the only way that a person could be in a better place is if they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Do you understand that? My mom is not in heaven today because I want her to be there. My mom is not in heaven today because she's my mom. And she was 86 years old and she was an old lady. And she lived a good life. See, so many times we compromise the Word of God because we're afraid to say it the way it is. The way it is is this. Unless you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and your Lord, you're not going to heaven. The only way you're going to get into heaven is if you say, Jesus, I accept your sacrifice. You have paid a debt that I cannot pay. And I receive you as my Savior and my Lord in that order. He must be your Savior before He can be your Lord. Lord means ownership. Lord means that you are no longer your own. When you make Jesus your Savior, you are giving up ownership of your heart. That's why we have named this church Center Point Assembly, because if Christ isn't at the center point of your life, you're not a Christian. I'm sorry to say it, but it's the truth. And we must say things that are true if we love people. Jesus loved people, but he told the truth. We just don't tell people what they want to hear, pat them on the back, and then watch them jump off a cliff. If a person is running towards a cliff, what are we going to say? We're going to say, stop. There's a cliff out there and you don't see it and you're going to jump off it and you're going to die. How many times do we as believers watch people be believing something that is not true? It sounds good on the outside. It looks really good in the package, but it's not the truth. And we let them walk off that cliff of eternal life and it means eternal death and destruction because if we believe in heaven, we must believe in hell. Jesus spoke of hell quite a bit. He spoke of hell quite often, not to scare people. And that's not the intent of speaking about hell, but it's the reality, folks, that we must recognize that there is heaven and hell, and you go one or the other, is there is no in-between. And the only way a person makes it to heaven is if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just knowing about him. The devils knew about him. The demons knew about him, and they shuddered. It says that in the book of James. And they shuddered, but that doesn't give them salvation. Salvation comes with an acceptance, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Though the reality is, my mom's in heaven today, and I know that. And you might say, Michael, why do you know that? Who are you to tell me where my mom's at, or who am I to say that? Well, you know, the Bible says that we would know the fruit by the the life of a person by their fruit. If you go to an apple tree and you pick a fruit off that tree, do you expect it to taste like an orange? No, you expect it to taste like an apple. You know the fruit. You know the tree by its fruit. Why I know mom is in heaven is because she wasn't perfect. I know that. I even heard her say a bad word one time. 
And it scared me, quite honestly. <laughs> I was only 12. She was vacuuming. And we had this big jar of pennies. And she's vacuuming. And I heard her hit that vacuum, hit that jar, and I heard crack. And then I heard a word. <laughs> Mom! But she was forgiven. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect people. Don't play the game. It's not a game of perfection. It's a game of forgiveness. Repentance. Saying, I'm not going to put my foot in that same dog pile. If I see a footstep there, that probably was mine, and that means I shouldn't go there. I should go this way. That's called repentance. But I've seen the fruit of my mom, and I, because I've, I've heard my mom pray. Stacy said about it, talked about it. I've heard my mom talk about the goodness of the Lord. I've heard her say it to people. I've heard her say it to me. I've heard her say it to other people. I've heard my mom pray in a heavenly prayer language. I've heard my mom express her passion for Jesus Christ. I've heard my mom sing the songs of praise of her Savior and her Lord. Now, my mom didn't have the best voice. I'm sure she's singing right now, and I'm sure it's beautiful. Yeah. I've watched my mom live a life with Jesus clearly at the center and not be ashamed of it. I've seen my mom stand up for Jesus when it wasn't popular. I saw my dad do it. I'm thankful that I have a heritage and a foundation that's not ashamed of Jesus Christ. And that's the reason that I know my mom is in heaven today. Now we've talked about proving where our living hope comes from. Let me talk to those here today that may not be sure or you want to be sure that you can have the same living hope in your life. It's not hard, but it requires a choice. You see, the last and most important point I want to make today as we wrap this up is that Jesus chose to die on his own accord for us. He was not forced to go to the cross. He had a choice to die. He had a choice not to die. John chapter 10, verse 17, The reason my Father loves me, Jesus speaking, is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. And with this choice that Jesus had, we are given the power of choice as to whether we will accept his sacrifice or not. You know how you prove, you know how, you know how you prove somebody that you love them? You please them. You obey them. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. So we have a choice to make. Just as Adam and Eve made a choice to obey or disobey God, that, that same choice is given to you and I today. And I can say this assuredly this morning that if mom was here, if she could come back from heaven to give us one word of encouragement, she would say this, accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ today so that you will have the promise of a living hope as I do. In fact, I could, go, I could go on to say that every person that has ever lived, whether they're in heaven or in hell today, 
The one word on their mind is Jesus. If they're not in heaven, if they are in hell, believe me, hell is not a place you want to be, but they are screaming to those right now, Jesus! That's what they want you to hear. That's the only word that matters to them where they're, where, no matter where they're at. So therefore, I'm just the mouthpiece. I'm just speaking what somebody else would, they would love to tell you. Except Jesus. So what is, the question is, what is your hope based on today? Examine your life. Where are you at today? You see, everything in this world is going to pass. I don't care how much money we have. I don't care how much money you don't have. It's not about money. It's not about things. It's not about success. It's about Jesus. Because it's all going to pass. Do you want a living hope this morning that will last and stand the test of all eternity? You can have that if you make the right choice. You must make the choice today. And here's the deal. By delaying it and say, I'll make it tomorrow, is a choice. You must accept Jesus. You must accept him if you're going to have eternal life. So this morning, Joanne is giving you the best possible gift ever by giving you an opportunity this morning to examine your life and to ask yourself, is Jesus my Savior? Is he my Lord? How do we do this? How do we do this? Maybe some of you don't know. First of all, recognize that you are a sinner. Recognize that you need forgiveness. Secondly, tell Jesus you believe in him and, and everything that he's done for you and that you have paid, he has paid your debt. Thirdly, make the choice to repent, meaning turning away from the sin that has kept you from Jesus in the past and making the choice to ask Jesus to forgive you. Fourthly, Determine in your heart that you are ready to now live in this choice to accept his sacrifice and honor Jesus by living life as he has become now your living hope. There's action with the choice. You can't just say it today and not live it tomorrow. There's action that comes with this choice. There will be a change. If, if you haven't been living for Jesus up to this point in time, and if you accept him today, there will be a difference tomorrow. Maybe not perfect. We're not perfect. I'm not saying that, but you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Let's pray. Would you bow your head with me, please? Jesus, first of all, we thank you for mom. We thank you that you've given her to us and that she has been our mom, our nurturer, our provider, our sustainer. We thank you for her life and everything that she represents. Lord, we are so grateful that you have received her into her eternal home, that she is now walking the streets of glory, hand in hand with those that have gone before her. And she, is, as Dad said the day before he died, wrapped around the feet of Jesus. It's exactly where Mom is. And I thank you for that. Now, Lord, I, I want to turn now and talk, think about ourselves for a minute. Lord, I, I just want to take the time that we would now think about ourselves, think about where we're at, think about our choices in this life. And I pray, Lord, that you'll just give us an opportunity to examine our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now, I want to do something very important. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to do that today. You see, Jesus called everyone publicly. He says, if you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father. I know it's a personal thing, but at the same time, it's a very public thing. Your life must have the fruit of Jesus Christ. So would you bow your heads one more time? And I would ask you to examine your life one more time. And I'm going to ask you to make a choice here because I believe my mom would say, ask him, Mike. Ask the question. Do you want Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? If you do, and if he isn't in your heart right now, all eyes are closed. This is the most important question anybody could ever ask you. Do you want to be forgiven by Jesus? If you do, and if there is that little burning inside your heart right now, that little nervous twitch, what that is, that's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts us of our sin. And here's our way out to say, Jesus, I receive your sacrifice today. Please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I choose you to be my Savior and to be my Lord. Now again, with all eyes closed, if you have made that prayer, would you just raise your hand to Jesus, not for men to see it, but tell Jesus that you've made a change in your life and that you see the significance of how important he is. So I'll just wait for a moment. If you've you've prayed that prayer, don't be ashamed of Jesus now. Now is the time. I see those hands. I see them. Be bold. Thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I know this wasn't in the script, but can we sing the last verse of I Believe in a Hill called Mount Calvary one more time? I don't mean to mess you up, Larry, but I did. Would you stand with me? Listen, folks, there has been a celebration today because there's new names written in the life of heaven, in heaven today. And let's sing this song like we mean it. Let's sing this song with some passion that we really believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. And we're going to trust this, and that's going to be our living hope. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe in this life with its great mysteries. Surely someday we'll come to an end. What the faith
Father, we thank you now. We thank you for that promise and that assurance and we will cling to the cross. We will let the things of this world go easily. We will hold them lightly. Not to say they're not important, but we're not going to cling. They are not our hope. Our hope lies in knowledge that we have trusted you, Jesus, with our eternal soul. And with that, we have eternal hope that will last forever. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.